0: Thank you. (laughs) All right, it is so good to be with you all today. Those of you joining online, hello. Uh, You're a little warmer at home, and those in person here, if you're here last week, last week was 90, this week is like 60, we just thought we'd keep you guessing, you know, wear shorts, wear a parka uh, to keep it going. So the super brave ones here, uh, it's actually a beautiful day. And you've come dressed appropriately with your jackets if you're in person. And we get to snuggle up at home, as I know some of you are doing with a blanket, uh, something like that. You know, as we come to God's Word this morning, we're in this new series in the book of Galatians. It's Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia, scattered throughout kind of modern-day Turkey. And as we focus on the gospel, not only today, but this whole series, it's just a reminder that this is God's Word. This is God's hope. This is God's grace we're talking about. I was so blessed at 9.30 a.m., the first service, uh, we had uh, a visitor, a gentleman, a believer, a long-time believer in the Lord, uh, who was born in a, in a faraway land. And as we were reading uh, the scriptures at 9:30, and it talked about Paul's journey, his testimony, and how he uh, traveled uh, throughout the region, and he went to Jerusalem, and he went to Arabia, and then he went to the regions. Verse 21 says of Syria and Cilicia. We had a believer from Syria here, who could trace his roots to Presbyterian missionaries back in his home country. And he came with such gratitude for the grace of God. And it also reminded me that this Bible is talking about real events, real places, real people. We had a gentleman from Syria and Paul, that's a place where he ministered 2,000 years ago. I just want that to sink in, that God's word does not return void that if you're open to his word today, just like 2,000 years ago when Jesus and the early church were first doing their thing, right? It's alive and well today in you. If you'll be open to his word today, he can transform your life. He will carry you in this season. And what a season it's been, right? So I just want you to be ready to be attentive as we go through this letter. We're gonna hear the story of Paul and his testimony, but this could be your story How is God going to speak into your life today? How is God going to use you to be a blessing to someone else today, this week? His word will not return void. And so with that, let's dig into God's word here. We see in Galatians 1, I'm going to jump around through this whole section, but Paul's giving his testimony. He's here in Galatians, he's actually refuting leaders who are teaching a false gospel of works. That's what we learned last week. This whole letter is about this other false gospel uh, that he has to fight against. So he is responding to people who are saying, you not only need Jesus, you need something else. For your spiritual life to be okay. You need Jesus plus this addition. And Paul's saying, no, 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 absolutely not. You just need Jesus. And he's specifically responding to, I think, at least two accusations. The first one is that Paul's version of the gospel is something that he just made up himself. That's the first accusation. Take a look at verse 13. Verse 13, uh, Paul says, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Paul, if you don't remember, he was this very, very religious leader. He was a leader of leaders back in that time. He, he knew the Bible backward and forward. It was his life. And he was convinced that Jesus was a false prophet. And he spent his life during that season to destroy the church. He was throwing Christians in prison. He was overseeing possibly their torture, maybe even for some of them, death. So Paul's making sure that everyone knows like, oh, by the way, <laughs> this gospel that I received, it was none other than Jesus himself that transformed my life. You knew my old life. It had to be something miraculous that changed me. Don't tell me this is something I just made up. It was something outside of myself that radically transformed my life. See, Paul is saying his thinking was so polar opposite of the gospel that it took, if you read the book of Acts, a personal visit from a resurrected Jesus. They say, Paul, stop. Time out. You're going to start working for me. And Paul is saying, the only way to explain my life transformation had to be Jesus. This gospel, I did not make up. I got it directly from Jesus. Secondly, Paul is refuting that his gospel is somehow incomplete something's missing. And we look at verses 16 and 17. It says, but when God was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him amongst the Gentiles, these are the non-Jews, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. And Paul goes on to talk about how he did end up eventually going to Jerusalem and everything was affirmed by the leaders. He's trying to say, look, I didn't make this up. I got it straight from Jesus. And I didn't even have to consult with anyone in the beginning. This, I, I, it's not missing anything. And even after I went to visit all the Christian leaders, they said everything was good. I didn't make this up and nothing is missing from my gospel. So Paul keeps arguing that it's Jesus plus nothing else. These other leaders are saying, you got to add something. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Listen to me. Jesus gave it directly to me. You've seen my life transformation. It's Jesus alone that gets you saved. It's Jesus alone that is the gospel. He says in verse 14, he again reflects on his life in Judaism. He says, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Paul is saying, I was the religious of the religious. I was, I out religioned everybody. I I did it. I was A plus plus plus. Perfect scores. And it was a dead end. Don't let anyone add anything to the gospel. It's Jesus plus nothing. You don't need to be religious. You don't even need to be moral. You could never be moral enough to earn God's favor. So Paul says, no, no, it's Jesus plus nothing else. It's just his gift of grace. See, Paul was an expert at trying to earn God's favor. He says, don't hit that dead end like I do. It's a waste of time. He found life once he received God's grace, God's gift. The true gospel, Paul says, it's Jesus plus nothing else. And so you'll notice that Paul's story isn't just him having an intellectual belief in Christ, though intellect is good. And it's certainly more than the gospel making his life personally satisfying. That's a lot of us in America today. The gospel improves my life. It makes me happier. I love yoga. I love organic food and Jesus, kind of in that order. He's a supplement to your life. He's not the center of your life. Paul says, no, 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 no. It's Jesus. It's not about being personally satisfied. It's about finding salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his gift of grace. See, Paul's story is about a life-altering relationship that has captivated his entire life. See, the gospel says you are far more sinful than you ever dared believe and far more loved and accepted than you ever dared to hope. See that's the truth. It's not just a makeover, it's a rescue plan. You were spiritually dead before you met Christ is what the gospel says. And he you needed a rescue plan for you to get out of your predicament. You might know this old story, it's kind of a, an old preacher's joke. It was a Christian man who needed rescue from a flood, but refused the aid of a man in a paddle boat who came to help him. And, and the drowning man said, no, 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 I have faith in God. God's going to take care of me. It's okay. So then the Coast Guard boat comes by, offers help. No, 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 I have faith in God. He's going to help me. I'm going to be okay. Then lastly, a helicopter came and he waves them off saying, no, 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 I have faith in God. I'm going to be okay. The floodwaters rise. The man drowns. He goes to heaven and he says, God, why didn't you help me? And God says, of course, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What else did you want, right? Of course, don't be a silly Christian ignoring the clear help and presence of God, the clear answers to to the prayers of God. And by the way, sometimes your prayers for help is God trying to tell you the answers, well, get off of your seat and live into my life. I mean, sometimes the prayers right in front of you because you just need to respond, But I did want to caution us against one of the pictures that we might misunderstand from my little story and joke. Because we truly are in need of rescue. But what Paul is saying throughout the New Testament, and particularly in Galatians, is that you were not just in need of help, but the rescue was in need because you're already dead. Listen to this. Paul is saying not just that you're struggling at sea, but you've already drowned at sea. Ephesians 2.1, consider this text. And you, Paul says, were dead in your transgressions and sins. So that means the picture is this. God sends his son, Jesus Christ, to find you lost at sea and you're dead. He lifts you out of the water and then he revives you from death. That's the rescue plan. You were dead in your sins. You say, oh, Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim, that can't be because I had to choose Jesus. Well, yeah, you choose Jesus. But listen to Paul from Galatians 1:15. This is right here in this section. But when he, God, had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. So let that sink in, friends. God's saving activity, grace that came, saving grace through faith, came to Paul before he was born. Wait, so that must mean that it's God's initiative to save us, not mine. That means God's salvation for Paul predates Paul's choice. That's why it's called grace. Paul literally had nothing that earned him or married him that he worked for that grace. It was gifted to him before he was born. This is wild stuff, you guys. Then you look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, where Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Another way to say grace. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, not the result of your efforts, so that no one may boast. And then Paul again, as he writes to the Christians in Rome, Romans 3, 23 through 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So to sum up, friends, this is wild stuff. Yeah, you were lost at sea, but you're already dead. <laughs> Jesus came on a rescue mission to, live, to lift your spiritually dead body out of the water, revive you, and say, welcome home. That's Grace. That's good news. That is great because you are welcomed, saved by grace through faith. You know, the reformers are are, are Presbyterian forefathers and foremothers, the way they said it in Latin, was sola gratia, grace alone, only grace. Not your works, not your efforts. God has chosen you before you were born. That salvation truly is a gift. Yeah, you had to choose them, but if it wasn't for the spirit of God enlivening your heart, your mind, your spirit opening your eyes to see, you never would have said yes. It's God's initiative and that's good news because that means you can't lose it. You can't undo God's work. You can't undo your salvation. You're not stronger than God. You can't outdoubt God's grace. That's really good news. And so you live into it. You live freely. You live courageously because I can't lose this. I have nothing to lose. I'm going to give my life for the Lord. I'm going to spend all my time, all my energy serving him. I can't lose this. He loved me before I even thought of him. It's good news. God, the father sent the son, his son, Jesus on a rescue mission to lift your lifeless body out of the sea, revive your heart, welcome you home. It's not by any effort on your part, but the perfect goodness of Christ. It's not your goodness, it's Christ's goodness. You let that sink in. Because if your heart does let that sink in, it will burst with joy. Because he chose you. You're secure. You have nothing to lose. You have everything to gain. Live into the reality of being rescued, revived, restored, and welcomed by King Jesus. Redeeming you from death. His grace is literally a gift. That's what the word means, a gift. It's his grace. See, he calls you by his grace, but I want you to think about this. He also carries you by his grace. I want to share an image with you. If you want to look at the screen there, you at home, you could look at the screen. It was a picture as I, I don't know if I was praying or journaling, but it was my, in my relationship to God, I was thinking about being in a crowd holding my dad's hand, and I was in this crowd of people. I couldn't see anything, and I was confused holding my dad's hand. I felt safe, but I was scared. And then my dad lifted me up and put me on his shoulders, kind of like this photo. And I saw we were in a crowd because we were heading to a ballpark. Probably the Dodgers, best team in the world. It's probably the Dodgers. And I said, oh, I see now, Father. And it's almost like God was giving me a vision of my relationship with Him. I, I'm frenzied, I'm worried, I'm anxious. All I see, I, I don't understand what's going on. I'm crowded, it, it, it's scary. And then God lifts us up and puts us on His shoulders, and we go, Oh, you got me, God. Oh, I see where we're headed, and it's good. Isaiah 63, 9 says, in his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and he carried them all the days. I think someone here today needs to hear that. He's carrying you. He is not let go. I know things look scary. You cannot see. Things are anxious. You look all around. It's confusing. It's stressful. He's carrying you. He's got you. He had you before you were born. He's not going to let you go. Psalm 68, 19, praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. I want you to picture a God who calls you by his grace into salvation and keeps carrying you through the rest of your life. He will not let go. The one who began a good work and you'll be faithful to complete it, the Bible says. He's not gonna give up on you. If he started with you before you were born, do you think he's kind of committed to you? I mean, think about that. He's fully committed to you. You can rest in that, celebrate it. So Paul knew he served a God of grace who was constantly carrying him. And it wasn't because Paul was smart, though he was, or deserving, which maybe you'd think he was, or religious, which he really was. None of those things earned God's favor, earned God's gaze, is what the thing that kept God carrying Paul because he was a good person. No, our God who carries you into salvation by grace will keep carrying you through this life by his grace. And that's good news. And I know someone needs to hear that today. He is still carrying you. It's not like he just gets you saved and God like ignores you. No, he keeps carrying you. He keeps carrying me. God who calls you by grace will carry you by his grace. We serve a God who wants to carry us and knows he needs to carry us. We need his complete rescue. So his grace means we don't have to plead with him. We don't have to be a good person or be religious in order to gain his attention. You already have his gaze. It's on you. He loves you. That began before you were ever born, and it's still fixed on you. His attention is already on you. He's got a plan for you. So rest in it. In fact, I know for many of you, you're feeling him carrying you. You're going through stresses. You are confused, you know, family members or friends who are not doing well, you need this God to keep carrying you. You know, for some of you though, right now, maybe that invitation to say yes to Jesus, there's been something stirring in you. Would you consider that God has been after you for a long time? And maybe now's the time to say yes. Yes to this one who is seeking to save the lost the one who has this rescue plan, the one who who desires that none would be lost. Maybe that's you today to say, yes, King Jesus, I need you. And you're going to find it once you say yes. Oh, he's had his eyes on me since before I was born. Wow, what a gift. You see, God not only calls you by his grace, he carries you by his grace grace. So the gospel not only saves you, the gospel changes you. This is the gospel that Paul is preaching. We worship this God who carries us with his grace, his unearned love that we cannot lose. We never earned it. You cannot lose it. It's Jesus plus nothing. And so Paul is warning these Christians in, in these Galatian churches to, to run from those who's, who's saying it's Jesus plus this. It's Jesus plus a political party. It's Jesus plus this other religious thing you need to do. It's Jesus plus this other thing you need to pay attention to. No, no, no. It's just Jesus. Pay attention to him, his life. Or it's Jesus plus all these heartfelt, warm emotions. Well, heartfelt, warm emotions are good. We don't need that to be close to Jesus. They're good, but you don't need, don't let anyone tell you you need this experience plus Jesus. No, you just need Jesus. He's all you need. It's by his grace. He carried you into salvation. It's by his grace He will carry you to the end. It's just Jesus. You can do nothing to earn his gaze. He's already looking at you. He wants to carry you and you need him to carry you. See, it's this God's gospel of grace that transformed Paul. He wants you to, to have that renewed vision of this grace in your life as well. See, Paul insists in this section that it wasn't his hard work or his passion or his intelligence that got him saved, though he was all of those. He says in verse six, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. See, it's God's amazing Grace that completely rescued Paul. It was nothing else. Grace through faith. And so you can rest secure in God's love because your standing with God is not based on your ongoing struggle to follow Jesus. Hear that. Your salvation is not based on your ability to have strong enough faith. No, it's based on the person you're focusing on. It's his strength. You can't out doubt God's grace. You can't out-sin God's grace; it's got you. And so, rest in it, celebrate it, live in it, live like it. Your standing with God is not based on based on your ongoing struggle to follow Jesus, but Jesus's struggle on the cross, his victorious death and resurrection. See, the gospel of grace says it's not what you do, but what Christ has already done. The gospel of grace says it's our standing with God is not dependent on our obedience, but on Christ's obedience for us. See, it's all about him. It's not about you. That's good news. You didn't earn it. You can't lose it. Let that sink in. Verses 23 and 24. Paul says, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy and they glorified God because of me. Paul is saying, because of the radical life transformation, because the gospel of grace, people can see God's life in me and they're glorifying God because of my little life. What does glorify mean? It's a fancy church word. Let me try to break it down, at least as one example. Glorify means... We reveal God's goodness. Glorify means in a sense that we reveal the reality of who God already is when we glorify God. So in that sense, you glorify God, friends. Maybe this week, you're going to sit with someone in pain. Someone who just experienced a tragedy. I just spent some time in the first service. Someone knows someone who experienced a terrible tragedy this past week. And they heard that word. God's going to use them to glorify him by sitting in silence with that friend in pain. Silence is a great way to glorify God. Just sit with someone who is hurting. Sit in silence. Just be present and glorify God. And he'll let you know if you're supposed to say something. But probably silence is your best choice. Just sit with someone in pain. You're bringing God's presence Just sit with them. You glorify God when you tie the portion of your income because you're telling the world and yourself, I don't put my trust in money. I put trust in God. You glorify God by feeding hungry people like we're doing every week, a hundred people through ministries that you're helping with. You're glorifying God when you fill the cans in Martha Henry's food pantry, you fill our bin right down here and you bring the, the dry goods and Even if you have connections with produce suppliers and you're helping send it to to Seaside where Martha is because people are picking it up every single day, you glorify God. You reveal his goodness. You get it? You glorify God if you're an artist by making beautiful art that points to God's beauty and makes people hungry for something beyond themselves. You see? You glorify God. You reveal his goodness. So Paul recounts this amazing transformation from a Christian persecutor, literally throwing Christians in prison, maybe overseeing their their torture. Who knows what he did? He's saying that had to be God's amazing grace. It wasn't me. It was all him. So never forget the gospel is all about him and not about you. And don't forget because of that you have received freely. Jesus says now freely give glorify me. God says through your ordinary everyday life. So simple question. How do you in your daily life glorify God? How are people going to see a glimpse of God's goodness through you this week, specifically through you, through your speech, through your planning, through your silence, through your email, through your phone call, through that casserole you make? (laughs) How is God going to use you, your art, your speech, your, your emails this week? How much better would our emails be if we prayed before hitting send? I mean, literally, I mean, this is very practical. This is bonus material for you. How much better would our emails be if we actually prayed before we click send? Guilty as charged. Just do that this week and see if God will be glorified through you in your everyday life. How could your life, your life, my life, our small little lives, How could our lives show people to love God more? How could my little life show people the goodness of God that would lead people to respect and praise God more because of your life? Wow, God could use you this week. You see, we offer our lives to bless others because we are secure in God's love. We're secure in God's rescue. I never earned it. I can't lose it. So we relish in it. We have joy because of it. We know it's nothing that we've done, right? It's nothing we have attained. Nothing has brought God's gift of grace that I've done. It's a gift. And so we're generous. Freely we have received, freely we give. We're generous with our time, our talents, our treasures because of it. How will God use you this week to glorify him? Because he can, he will, he wants to be open to it. Where has God placed you so that you can reveal God's goodness? See, God didn't lead us and save us by his grace so you can hoard his love to yourself. It's meant to be shared. It's the most natural thing to do when you realize the gospel of grace is real in your life. This is a picture of Chadwick Boseman. Most of you know who he is, a famous actor. Recently died after a secret four-year battle with cancer. Here he is right now in this picture, where he was visiting children suffering from cancer. He was remembered by his alma mater, Howard University, as a man of grace. There's that word again, a man of humility. Here he is his global movie star, known for his performances and as Jackie Robinson in the movie 42, and as of course the Black Panther, global hit. And yet, at his funeral by his hometown pastor, his pastor eulogized him, not as the world famous star that millions of people adored, but as the youth group kid who loved Jesus and sang in the choir, and served his community. I don't know, Chadwick, personally, I I, I hear and sense that his faith in Christ continued to carry him as he became famous, continued to carry him as he faced his own death, battling cancer for four years. That he was giving away his life while he was making art for you and me, and while he was visiting kids dying of cancer, sick with cancer, looking for healing, who have a much better chance than he had, knowing probably that he was dying. He kept giving his life away. See the power of grace of God in your life? You give your life away because you never owned your life. You're already dead. God revived you. And now's your second chance. And you live it to the full. Chadwick used his life to give kids suffering from cancer a taste of God's grace. So that means, biblically, God was using him to glorify God. Does that make sense? To give a little glimpse, a little taste, a little hint of the fullness of God's love. Your life, Chadwick's life, Paul's life, Paul's story. What's your story? What's your story? How's God going to use you? Because everyone is in need of a rescue, not a makeover. And your efforts don't merit your rescue. It's God's love. It's God's grace towards you that has brought salvation in your life. It's God's grace in you. And then through you will reveal God's goodness. You know, Philip Yancey says this about grace. Grace is Christianity's best gift to the world. A spiritual nova in our midst, exerting a force stronger than vengeance, stronger than racism, stronger than hate. Friends, you don't have to be an evangelist like Paul for God to use you. You don't have to be a famous artist like Chadwick Boseman for God to use you. You just got to be you. But you have to rest in his grace to soak in the reality of the gospel. You were rescued from death into life. And because of that, you are set free to live fully for him every day. And God will use you. Your art, your work, your education, your relationships, if you... Lift it up to him each day. Say, God, use me. Say, I don't want you to miss this moment because I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, God is speaking something to you sitting here. God is speaking to something to you at home. Something in today's word. something in a song we sang, something about today, I'm just trusting that God is resonating in you, convicting you, encouraging you, drawing you, something. Don't let it go. Ask yourself sometime today, Lord, what did you want me to hear, and what do you want me to live this week for your glory? There's something in here we just believe. This is not a waste of time. God's got a plan for you, but we have ears to listen, are ready to respond. Don't ignore the obvious move of God in your life. He <laughs> you might have something obvious for you, you. As you think about it, journal about it, pray about it, it's like, oh, yeah, I should probably stop drinking all the time. yeah. I should probably make that phone call. I should, oh, I should probably ask forgiveness for that. Oh, yeah. Don't ignore the obvious things in your life. Oh, but the God of grace, he's patient with you, isn't he? Patient with me, I know. Don't miss the opportunity this week. You don't have to be a superstar for God to use you. You're already a superstar in God's eyes. Before you were born, he already chose you. He's got his eyes on you. See, just offer your daily life, your ordinary life to the extraordinary rescuer, Jesus. When you attach your life to Jesus, when you rest in him, he can do amazing things through your ordinary life. You see, because God's grace wants to continue to pour in you and through you to a world that's thirsty for grace. Don't you know you have exactly what the world needs? You have exactly what our neighbors need. You have it in you. You just need to share it. You just need to listen and say, God, where do I go today? See, in this season, when hope seems so elusive, friends, may you invite Jesus to give you boldness and creativity to speak his name. You see, because the gospel of grace never gets old and God will use you if you will say yes to him to pour through you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we can sometimes get so distracted and we know, Lord, you are with us, but sometimes we forget. And so, Lord, help us to be reminded that we can hold your hand. Help us, Lord, to even see a vision as we or maybe are fearful. Or we see the, the crowds where we can't see exactly where we're going, Lord. Help us to imagine you lifting us up, carrying us. You carried us, Lord, out of the waters, revived us into salvation, and you're still carrying us today. You're carrying our burdens. And so, Lord, help us to rest in your grace. Help us to be confident that because you chose us before we were ever born, you're not gonna abandon us now. But because we have your powerful presence in us, as we humble ourselves, that you can even use us to glorify you, to give a glimpse of your goodness to a thirsty world. Lord, would you, as you pour grace into me, ongoing grace, would you let that leak out in my life to others, whoever I encounter, Lord, an email, a phone call, a a Facebook post, a, a meal, sitting with someone in silence, whatever it may be, Lord, this week. Use us for your glory. And it's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, amen.